Neil, I'm trying to float. What What do you mean float? Like, are you trying to? Uh... You like take you take an inner tube and you float oh. on the river. Oh, <laughs> that's an amazing background today. <laughs> it's oh shit. You know what? I need to. Uh... There oh. now it's good. While Neil's doing that, welcome to the uh, Tangential Advisory Podcast, a podcast about uh, anything and everything. I'm Scott. Uh, your primary host, Neil, is there. Sup? Uh, Am I the primary host? You're the primary host. You do the most work. Okay, so does that mean that the actual host of, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, an, a relevant radio show today, the the primary host... Let's go of, back to Joe Rogan. Of Joe Rogan podcast is not Joe Rogan because we all know Joe Rogan is not fucking pushing the start button and not doing all that nonsense. Joe Rogan is just there and there's some guy that he's paying, you know, 20 bucks an hour to hitting the play button and record button. You know, it's kind it's kind of wild actually because when you think about it, Joe, I would still make the argument Joe Rogan's obviously the primary host of the podcast because Joe Rogan is doing the work of actually interacting with the guests and navigating them and whatnot. But Joe Rogan is the worst example because he is also the least skilled at actually directing a conversation from what I've seen. So it's, it's almost as though if I had come up with any other, uh, like well-known podcaster, I feel like I would have had a stronger argument, but I chose the weakest one with (laughs) Joe Rogan. (laughs) He's like the exception that proves the case. I, I only like get some of his content through like uh, you know clips. May, maybe that's like what the majority of people that are not like fully invested in the, in the Joe Rogan experience. Like that's how you consume your media. Your Joe Rogan uh, mm-hmm. media is through like various clips. So I've never really gotten like a full impression over like what he offers as a podcast host or a show host or anything. Uh, so I, Four I kind hours of, of content. That's what I can say. I, I kind of feel like I don't necessarily judge him fairly as a result because I just get clips of him being an asshole or clips of him, you know, bringing up something positive or I get, mm-hmm. or I watch uh, fear factor and think that's, you know, his personality when it's obviously not. Why would you make people eat scorpions, Joe Rogan? Why? <laughs> Um, Neil, uh, you've got a new background. I've got a new background. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We're turning a new leaf. Should we change to season two? By the way, this is season one, episode 11. On July 25th, 2021. That's right. Happy belated to my friend Ian. Uh, So the move is complete now? Do you have everything over? It's pretty much done. I've been living here for like a week now. The computer was the last big thing, and now it's mostly going to be furnishing the space with uh, the like minor things I think it will need for like long-term habitation. Like I need a rug for the uh, there's like the transfer strip between the uh, like was it luxury vinyl tile or whatever that's supposed to look like wood paneling to the carpet, and the carpet's slightly like. It's a little exposed. It looks a little frayed just on that transition spot. I got to drop a rug down on it. It's it's a necessity. Otherwise, somebody is going to like catch that and eat shit or rip it up or something over, you know, like regular usage right. over a year or two. So, got to get that rug. 
Otherwise, I don't know. As you can see, still haven't actually left the boundaries of heaven because uh, for our visual listeners, those who also have the video and not our uh, you know, podcast only, I still have sort of a giant cube of white light filtering into the background that um, I don't know if blinds are going to be the best option or if I just go ahead and pull the plug and do a cool background like Neil, get myself a little green screen. Folks, that's right. Neil's background is not staged. It is actually a green screen. <laughs> and with that, uh, with that shirt on, you could tell people you lived in Hawaii at this point. You see that sunlight coming in. You can't even see the background for that matter. I mean, background as in like you can't see out your window. It's so yeah, bright. No, people would assume, anything. yeah, Hawaii. That seems about right. This is with the blinds closed. <laughs> Wait, what? These are, the, these are the blinds glowing behind us. Yeah, the, the blinds are completely closed. That's how much light I have. So th this isn't a studio, but it's a one bedroom, I take it? It is a studio. Is there like a wall partition between? Yeah. So mm, to best describe the room, which you're seeing is my living room of the studio. Off to my right, uh, if you look off to my right, which of course, once again, no one can see. So I will start doing all of this. Uh, I, I will give the auditory description. But off to my right is a closet and my bed and a nightstand and a bookshelf, and then further back behind the camera that I'm facing, there is a wall right behind my computer, is the kitchen. And then there's a half wall from the kitchen to a sort of like entry or foyer area that I've turned into more or less like a little dining nook. And off to the right, in like nestled in between the transition from the kitchen to that foyer is the bathroom, which is enormous. Um, really big i would have enjoyed more like living space square footage instead of the giant bathroom that uh only you know is overkill for one person and um then to the i guess once again facing this direction or uh let's say like less deep into the apartment more uh you know what? It doesn't matter. But anyway, there's another door in the bathroom that uh, goes to the laundry room. So there are multiple rooms, but there's not like a bedroom room. There's a laundry room and a bathroom, and they're connected to the rest of the open space. So it seems, the studio. it seems like it's not a studio out of necessity, but kind of like the open floor plan thing that's been the craze for years. Like, why? And then maybe you save money on doors for that matter. You, yeah, you could absolutely put up a wall and make a very tiny little bedroom. Um, if you wanted to between this like open living room space and the bedroom i've thought about doing like a panel or something but i don't know if i really need that or that's necessary especially as you're living by yourself to begin with at least like it's not worth entertaining people in a studio apartment you yeah. just tell people you're poor and you don't have enough room in your home and you you know use theirs if they have it you, you tell you people somewhere else you tell people that you know you uh you own a luxury estate and that uh but it's too much trouble to go to. So why don't we just uh, go to your place instead? You tell people that you live out of your car and they're, and they're already hanging out with you in your home right now. Yeah. It's nice. I like it a lot. Uh, you know, for our, our Twitch viewers, you can get a, a small tour. You have my nice love seat behind me and my very big TV and the amp and the bass guitar the switch is making a small appearance. I have this light in the corner that obviously you can tell I don't need in the daytime because it is incredibly bright in here. 
Um, but it's nice. I like it. You uh, plan on not not for the sake of this, obviously, but for your own sanity. Do you plan on doing something like throwing up uh, blackout curtains or anything? It's like installing them. I don't know yet. I don't know. Uh, when it's when it's nighttime, it's dark enough. I also have an eye mask, so like I don't really worry about that. Mm. But the nice thing is, is I'm not getting terrible glare on my computers. Believe it or not, like when the light hits those blinds, it seems to diffuse fairly well. So, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's something I guess I could do, but I'm not considering it yet. There is a patio actually. You'll see a frame if you're watching that is just, just within the uh, screen here, and uh, that goes to my patio area, which is fairly small. But I've thought about sort of setting up a private patio with like roller blinds that essentially roll down from a like wooden support beam that traces sort of the outline of the uh, widest part or the longest part of the patio, and then if I get some like some long planters i can plant some plants and sort of grow like a natural a natural obstruction with those plants so next summer i can you know enjoy a book out of my patio and not have to look at anyone or have them look at me have you planned to uh, start like smoking duck blind uh <laughs> yes i will also be enjoying my cigars out there there you go yeah only the finest uh what What do you, uh, what, what is that guitar? Like, so you sent me a picture off stream. I was just really curious. What is that guitar? Off to that, the right? Yeah, it looks like a semi-hollow or full hollow. Oscar Schmidt? Uh, yeah, it's an Oscar ah. Schmidt Delta King. Um, yeah, so it's a full hollow um, electric guitar. It's mm. nice. I love it. It's sort of bluesy. In its in its uh, tone. That's why they call it the Delta King, you know, Delta Blues. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a very pretty instrument. I like it a lot. I I only bring well, I, not that it, not that I bring it up for the sole reason, but I plan on replacing. Yeah, I'll sell it to you. Nah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. You, you know what I've what I've been looking at is uh, GNL. It's like the Fender company, or rather, like Leo Fender after he left Fender sold it to. Uh, who did he sell it to? Uh, CBS, I think. Um, after he sold Fender to CBS, uh, CBS, excuse me, he started GNL at some point down the road. I think he might have worked with Music Man for a while. Um, but G, uh, GNL, it it was originally something else, but now it's known as like Guitars by Leo. Uh, GNL Guitars. They have a clearance. Uh, they have like their own shop where they sell like their clearance guitars. So basically, guitars they get shipped in from Indonesia, which is where they're. Like their cheaper guitars are made, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a they they sell their B stock there. So like if there's you know paint blemishes, dings, pocket gaps, whatever, and they're like super reasonably priced. Most of the guitars that they sell like through their manu or through their retailers are like five to six hundred dollars in the tribute range. Sometimes a little more. And on their clearance, uh, if you keep your eye on the B stock on their 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 own shop. It's like you're getting them for 240, 300 bucks or so. So like if Pretty sick. Yeah, if you're ever in if you're ever in need of like a Fender-esque guitar, like you can you you have to keep your eye on it like uh, you know, through like the business day if you will, like maybe 2 o'clock your time or 1 o'clock your time. 
that's when they're updating it in California, and uh, you can usually get like a good steal. So I've been keeping my eye on that for a while. Um, but I'm replacing one of my pickups with a what they call a P rail. It's a Seymour Duncan pickup that has a P90 and a single rail, and they're put together in a humbucker configuration. And then what's a P90? I don't know what that is. So a P90. I'm trying to think of like a guitar that you might know that would have them. Uh, if you ever look at like the really old uh, Les Pauls, they have P90s in them, like the okay. classic gold tops usually would. Not like modern gold types, which usually have like your PAFs uh, or your okay. humbuckers. Yep, I know. I know the P90 now. They're very, they're like very, yeah, very mid heavy sort of look. Yeah, they're they're like usually pretty mid heavy, but they're still single coil, so obviously they get really noisy at high gains. But uh, the uh, the rail and P ninety combination should be interesting because so I've, I've I'm putting them into a Melody Maker, which by nature is a single coil pickup or a pickup guitar. At least they mm-hmm. they were at one point, and this is going to give me humbucker. P90 and single coil tones now. Single coil as opposed to like P90, which you know those two sound very different. But Interesting. Okay, it'll be fun. I'm that. That's my project for later today, along with hopefully cutting my hair. We'll see if I get around to that. Are you but, gonna cut it real short or just a trim? What's up? Six or five on the sides and back, and then uh, or maybe just the sides, and I'll do a mullet, and then I'll probably yeah, like cut shave. my hair down to four inches or so. Shave the sides, Neil. Do that Just very trendy look. Yeah. So every time I cut my hair or like shave, if it's been a long time since I've shaved, I'll usually like just do half the job and make it look really weird for a while and mess with Tiffany. So like the last time, uh, the last time I shaved, I left the mustache and just <laughs> hung around the house with the mustache for a while, wait, <laughs> waiting for anyone to comment on it. And then uh, the first time I cut my hair, I just cut the sides and back. So I had like a mushroom haircut for a while. Like, I mean, because like the top of my head was like, you know, six or seven inches long. Mm -hmm. And that was just like hanging over. But great great gag from Nietzsche Joe, where there's that character who has, uh, (laughs) he has like sort of a mohawk. And then his, I think his dad's hair gets uh like disturbed at one point in time and you find out he also has a mohawk but it just falls naturally so it looks like regular <laughs> hair on his head <laughs> oh man <laughs> but that that's kind of what it looked like there uh i was parting my hair down the middle just for the hell of it and it looked like i had you know kind of normal i mean weird <laughs> parted hair but then like you yeah. if you look closely it's like whoa but the side of your head's really buzzed pretty short man but yeah, we'll see if that happens, though. I, the, the guitar endeavor might take a little more time than I thought. Mm-hmm. But what have you been up to uh, outside of video games and moving? I went to a wedding yesterday uh, out in uh, Rock Creek, which is, as you can imagine, um, an area of Montana that is adjoining a very rocky sort of uh, runoff creek. I would honestly argue that it's a river as like the size of it definitely constitutes a river at certain points. Uh, gorgeous. Besides once again, the fact that we've been in suffocating smoke for like three weeks now. Um, but it was nice. I was just a plus one. So I didn't actually know like anyone there just got to introduce myself to people and chat and have fun. But it was a good time. And, uh, I found out that there are services in this world that I had never even thought of, never even conceptualized. For instance, 
a pretty potty service, which is more or less a uh, large trailer that has luxury bathrooms inside of it. Uh, in like, instead of having um, porta potties on site, it is a big, I don't know, probably like 30 foot trailer or so that is like decked out with a fancy, fancy, with a bathroom that's nicer than mine. What the? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This, this is genius. In the air. It is, it is genius. It was more comfortable in than at the wedding venue because of the heat. And there was a while where I thought, should I just eat something to make myself sick to have an excuse to just sit in the AC for the next seven hours? Because it was awfully nice. The soap smelled of eucalyptus. There were essential oils in the air. Uh, It was polished to a shine. And of course, there were business cards everywhere you'd look. Just like, please, please rent our pretty potty services. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, okay, so obviously I say it's genius because I think this is a super convenient thing to to have. I think it's very smart. I don't know if it's necessarily a successful business endeavor, like, if it's sustaining. Yeah, J- I don't Just know. by the nature of, you know, like, I'm sure this costs a lot, and I'm sure to make it worth it, and, like, the the... The degree of effort needed to transport these things and then upkeep and so forth, yada, yada. Uh, but, yeah, I just went to their website, Pretty Potty. Montana um, Pretty Potty, luxury portable restrooms. And they have station sizes up to 11 station, which I'm assuming means you have Holy 11 shit. bathrooms. Yeah, that's amazing. The one that we used was uh, uh, four station total. So two men, two women. Expected guests, zero to 150. In case you think your party's going to be a real party pooper and you'll have zero guests, (laughs) why not pick up the pretty potty? Oh, damn. Their their radius of uh, actually spaces that they service for the area is pretty good, too. Um, It looks like they probably cover a 200-mile radius, and I bet they may stretch it if you really ask them to. But a lot of, like... A lot of well-known towns and areas where you might want to have some sort of outdoor event are absolutely covered by this. So that's impressive. We were actually probably pushing the limits of how far... um, Yeah, I think we were pushing the limits possibly of how far uh, you could get them to go. Maybe. Hard to tell. I don't know exactly how to find Rock Creek. Because it's like, it's off the beaten path. But anyway, that was a fun time. It was really good. Um, you know, congratulations to the uh, groom and bride. They also did, I think, the best type of wedding that only exists now thanks to the pandemic and the pressures that it's applied. They were already married at this point. It was pretty much a reception and party for like seven hours. That's potentially what Tiff and I will do too, I think. It's so much so. fun. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I say that, and then I realize, like, wait, I don't even know if we're planning a reception party sort of thing. Unless mm-hmm. maybe for, like, close family. Close family. Not even friends. Just close family. Ah, uh, sorry, brother. You're not close enough to uh, <laughs> to stick here with us. More of, more of uh, like, mid-distance to distant family. Well, as, I, I don't remember if we talked about this, per se. Maybe we did last week, but I, I'm, like... Obviously, COVID-19. You feel from Noah? 
Oh. <laughs> no. I, Shout out to Noah. Maybe maybe I'm like maybe maybe I'm taking our relationship for granted, but I feel like but I feel like the distance between my siblings and I are nev it's never gonna be that big of a deal. I feel like whenever we run into each other again, it'll be just like no time had passed at all. I mean outside of being like, Oh, your kids in college now. Interesting. Wow, that's uh, weird. But, he was four last time we talked. Yeah, <laughs> I picked him up. But uh, no, I, I would never pick up kids. I think anytime someone wants to hand <laughs> me a baby, I'm just like, I'll pass. I, I've held I've held my share of babies, but yeah, I mean, like there is a good age though when kids are like sort of toddlers, and you can pretty much guarantee that they're not going to like puke or pee or poop on you that uh like you just got to get them at that golden hour where they're also not sticky and oh. at that point it's really fun like you get into a pool or something you just start throwing kids around it feels great i mean well once you get to that point i'm assuming they might also start getting big enough that you don't have to worry about them breaking so okay so, exactly, so here's the thing yeah. what, they have to get to a certain point of durability when i see people bring in toddlers or babies like into work or like to family events and stuff i'm not saying they shouldn't or can't i mean depending on what kind of workplace you're in that's one whole other thing but more specifically, like when someone wants to hand me a baby, what it feels like to me is they're giving me like a precious egg treasure, you know, like or a precious gemstone that that's fragile and I'm supposed to hold it and I don't get any benefit from holding the baby or the, the gemstone like, oh, I get to hold this treasure. Cool. Like this has no inherent value to me. I'm holding something. And the 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 downside is if I drop this precious priceless treasure it could break on the floor like yeah. i don't want that that responsibility like what a metaphor take it and do something else i can appreciate the treasure by looking at it oh it it's a diamond it looks pretty i guess a diamond wouldn't necessarily break if you dropped it but uh like i i don't i don't need to hold something yeah it's like yay uh what, what i was gonna say though is that like uh and stop me if we talked about this last week but did we did we talk about like COVID becoming a bigger, excuse me, bigger concern? I can't remember if we had a lot of conversation about it, but I can tell you in the last four days, our cases have doubled. Uh. So, yeah, um, it certainly would have been a good thing to talk about. It absolutely, like, we don't need to get super into it again. But uh, yeah, things things aren't looking great. Uh, our county has one of the best vaccination records for the state, and yeah, we're. Last time I checked, we were at the very nice number of 69, but it's been climbing pretty rapidly. So, I, I think we in Nebraska are in a state that, like, I mean, most of our testing centers have shut down. So I, I'm assuming that might be the case for most places now. Like a lot of the drive-through testing areas and whatnot no longer offer those services or were temporary and now no longer exist but so obviously our numbers don't everything's so low at this point it's hard to say uh whether any anomalies or any sudden increase in cases could even be concerning because testing's at an all-time low to begin with but like i know i know um yeah we must have talked about this there like obviously the Tokyo Olympics are being uh, impacted by it and like if we're talking like american sports american football or the nfl is even starting to push for like stricter guidelines and protocols basically more or less trying to force like all of its players to be vaccinated which seems to be a good idea but 
fairly reasonable. Yeah. Who am I, I to mean, say? You know, it's serious when stuff like the NFL is like, ah, I guess we do have to do something about this. But it, I, but and, it is at like a head a head to head conflict because I think the majority of or okay okay maybe I'm not giving the American people enough credit, but I I feel like the majority of the demographic that the NFL is catering towards or like pushing towards may not necessarily feel that strongly about COVID-19. I don't know. It could be a 50, 50 split. I I feel football is like a very, very wide reaching sport. I mean, sports in general. Yeah. I think you have a very big mix. There are, I I've read plenty of like demographic studies of different, like of different sports and what their viewership essentially comprises. And you do actually like, you do have a bit of a skewing on like, this is once again, this is all very general talk. So I don't, I don't want to give the impression that there's any sort of like really cut and dry info on it, but like the NFL's viewership be more conservative on average than say the NBA's viewership. Like that's something that is, uh, been examined by different like studies, um, and reported on through, I think like 538, for instance, who has a fairly like, tight-knit relationship with ESPN um, has done reporting on that. But that the demographics don't like really lean super heavily in one direction or, or another because sports are so accessible to everyone and people who share an interest in a sport um, can have incredibly sort of different like lifestyles and perspectives or whatnot True. and still both be insufferable Lakers fans. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think, though, when you have giant organizations like that, especially with um, people who uh, sports are complicated because your players have a lot of autonomy if you consider like the wealth that many of them possess, but the actual autonomy as players is less than I think we give. Like, I think we give players also more credit for the autonomy and uh, independence than they actually probably have as professional athletes. Um it is fairly serious, you know, that we're finally seeing that happen. I'm surprised that it actually took this long, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not looking forward to a fall and winter in which we probably just have a worse COVID sort of sweeping through. And so keeping my eyes on like breakthrough uh, infections and whatnot, which once again, I wouldn't be like, you should not be coming to tangential advisory podcast for any medical advice whatsoever. But yeah. if you want to, yeah, if you want to hear the amateur virologist take on it, because there's at least a little bit of familiarity and background with the topic, then uh, I can at least say like, it's not something I'm immediately concerned about. It's certainly not something that I think is uh, very likely if you pick up COVID with uh like a full like a full series of vaccinations already and you know full immunity developed at this point in time but it is the thing to sort of keep an eye out for if reporting ever changes to the fact that it's not being uh noted as very very rare like an incredibly rare almost uh like negligible number of cases with breakthroughs but it's like when I go out in public I've got a mask on me again if I need it, but at work, at home, visiting family members, like, I'm not doing that just yet. Though, if it gets worse, I I may 
have to go back to that. What I find is wild is after spending a couple of months sort of no mask or very rarely masked, how how confining the mask feels all of a sudden. Uh, it's it's like one of those things where um, it's actually been at its most uncomfortable now. <laughs> really? Now that I've been wearing a mask for like, yeah, now that I spent almost a year with a mask on for most of the hours of my uh, day where I was not sleeping and, uh, you know, now when I put one on, I'm just like, man, it's hard to breathe with one of these things on. Like, who have I become? <laughs> I know that I'd adapt to it if I used it more, but it is, it's just kind of funny how it does feel more restrictive somehow. And I'm just like, it's not a good enough excuse for people who complain about and be like, I'm not going to wear a mask because of this. But uh, it still, it still catches me off guard when I'm just like, oh man, I'm not getting as much air as I'd like to. I guess, I guess I assume that like wearing one again wouldn't necessarily like, it would be conditions, I guess. I, I guess I've never stopped wearing one, but, uh, or like, I mean, I don't wear it as often now, partly because there's like a degree of, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm vaccinated, obviously, but it, it like, there, there's some sense wow, of like social, brag. yeah, you know, no big deal. <laughs> I'm just, I'm vaccinated. No, no. But the, but there is some sort of like I, I like I I hate to be the person that like yields to something like this, but it does feel kind of weird when you're the one person inside of like a very large area full of like a good number of people, and you're the only person wearing a mask. You know, like yeah, and, oh yeah, and it, it's definitely like that's Western society, or at least American or Midwestern society in particular, uh, Midwestern America. I should specify that where like it's just so unusual pre-pandemic to wear a mask in general and like enough to you know where i think i've talked about this how a family friend with uh, uh cystic fibrosis would be called out for like for wearing a mask in public yeah. it's like what i mean obviously pre-pandemic again i'm assuming that doesn't happen anymore though she would hope. she does not go out as often nowadays either mind you um uh, but yeah there, i don't know it's weird. I, I'm really, really curious to see what would happen if uh, things get worse and worse again. Because honestly, when? I, at least in Nebraska, things I don't think people take it seriously. No, any yeah. any more than they did before. Obviously not. But around here, it's a mix. There's still you know like a ten or fifteen percent population of people who wear mask indo- masks indoors that are most likely also vaccinated, um, which I'd say is like. I'd say is like really socially responsible behavior to the point that like I'm not even always uh, in that category of people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob, uh, Bob, three thousand, Bob, three thousand and two. I've never asked about the number, but uh, notes you that started at one. You know, a, it's a huge. I know it's a huge extra effort on your lungs, and it gets worse. As the mask gets wet, yes, wet mask training. Uh, that's that's actually what I what we all should be doing. Uh, I'm sure we all remember in iShield 21 when they did the wet mask training, running up and down the stairs at some like Tokyo Tower in order to increase their uh, their lung capacity and the oxygenation of their blood in time to play against. I think the spider football team roughly in the middle, like I'd I'd say in the middle of the uh, story arc. 
That's that's something you're not just making that up, dude. Are you, man? This is this is maybe my favorite niche anime interest. Is uh, I fucking love Eye Shield Twenty One, the football anime. It's really good. No, 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 no. You got to rephrase that. Not football. Football. Uh, <laughs> American football. <laughs> It's so good. It's such a it's such a good, weird, funny anime. Okay. It actually like that actually taught me a little bit about football, even if it was, you know, outrageous in how it was characterized. All right. Here's here's your task for the the next five minutes. Tell me why I'm wrong for like when I when I started reading or watching Eye Shield Twenty One when I was much younger, obviously, like when it was new, why I immediately stopped watching uh, because superpowers got involved. Like, is that wrong of me? No, you're wrong. Yeah, you are wrong. Because it's not like, at the end of the day, it's a shonen adventure, adventure like manga or anime. It is not a football one. Football is off to the wayside. It's a fantasy world in which football, American football exists. But it's so good. Like, what they do that I think is so cool is it's not actually, they don't actually have superpowers necessarily. It's just like, it's sort of this like overemphasis on that particular talent that a player has. It's money ball, Neil. What we're talking about are players who are like average in some ways, but then where they like excel at that exceptional ability of theirs gets uh, like sort of further mythologized in in the show so so what you're telling me because obviously i didn't dedicate that much time into it partly why bob Bob brings this up and it's actually exactly my experience i started watching prince of tennis because i like tennis i liked tennis i should say and whoa you don't like tennis uh it's not that i don't necessarily like tennis i had you cut out there for a bit but i think i'm extrapolating your uh question it's not that I don't like tennis now. It's just I don't necessarily follow tennis or pay attention to tennis or play tennis anymore. But like it was a really fun thing to play in high school. Um, mm-hmm. But it was that one moment where the main character's special lob that has t- so much spin on it doesn't bounce a second time. I was just like, all right, maybe maybe anime and sports mm-hmm. just don't combine together. And so I just brushed prince of tennis off to the side and i was like okay maybe maybe this isn't for me that's not possible but i've i I mean i've hit shots with so much backspin that it's hopped back over to my side of the net which yeah but i mean can you make can you can you hit a ball and make it not bounce (laughs) (laughs) no how how does the rule even like how does the rule book book excuse me work for that like what if someone I mean, was able point. to? <laughs> you would lose the point. Who would lose the point? Uh, the player who does, like, if the ball drops on their court and it just stops, uh, that player would lose the point. But are you are you sure? Like, what what yeah. does the rule book say that? Because I think the rule book is based upon that second bounce. I think the point is won or lost based on the second bounce or whether it bounces in in or out of uh, right. regulation. So if it, if it doesn't bounce a second time, then it's a dead ball. And if it's a dead ball on your court, you lose. But if it's a... I mean, it's bullshit. This sounds like total bullshit. It's funny also reading that Bob has a comment, like three of the main characters have no bounce shots. It's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That's the sort of thing I thought you could only milk once. 
Like you, you'd only, you'd only be able to bring out that gimmick like once or twice before it's just like, I, I've actually, I've played against people who hit a lot of drop shots, which is the actual reality version of this where like you hit the ball it sort of has a slow arc and when it hits the other side the bounce is very much reduced and it, it is trying to essentially dead right. the ball as soon as possible yeah if you play against someone where all their shots are drop shots you hate them you're gonna be running <laughs> they, a lot but but it still suck. bounces yeah. the second time or it still bounces i should say rather yeah even if it doesn't bounce much no. we've all played super tennis for the snes the drop shot's great but, the only real, the only real tennis I've ever seen depicted in anime, of course, is uh, the tennis in Kill a Kill. So, end of story on that one. Isn't Kill a Kill like an action? Yeah, no, it's absolutely. I'm. It is completely. Facetious. Oh, it's just like the off. Okay. Yeah, uh, that and, oh, is wait, also wait. superpower tennis. And so the like the only other, the only other anime. Uh, about sports i i watched that was like going beyond believability because there's a lot of like baseball anime that you know i think is relatively believable yeah. like sure it's weird there's that like these guys are dishing out field one that's good apparently yeah yeah there, there's a lot that are within the believable realm but it's not those that like threw me off of ice shield 21 and so maybe my expectation for 21 was a little it, when i got the scope of it i was just like oh no it's gonna it's gonna go places that the, the there is the other anime like Kuroko or Kuroku's Basket or yeah. Basketball, w- in which the whole premise is this player is so good that he has zero presence. He's invisible. Yeah, we've talked about this. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah, we I have mean, to really the, watch out for this scene. guy. Where is he? Where is he? That's the gimmick uh, in. I can't remember. I think it's the gimmick for Kellum and like Fire Emblem Awakening, like the knight who nobody pay, like who nobody pays attention to. I've never actually tested to see if he doesn't pick up as much aggro as other characters. But like it, it That'd makes sense. That the case. It can make sense in a lot of other games, you know, or games or situations. But like in a game where you're a, or a game, an anime where you're a point guard and there's a point of focus, the basketball, right? It's it's not a sport that uh that lacks that point of focus so it would make sense if he was not the the distributor if he was another if he was like your three like a wing yeah, yeah. it would make if way more a wing, sense it makes total sense but he's a point guard which is great so they pay attention to him only when he has the ball maybe i don't remember at the time i was like or this can is he stupid. just walk the ball to the basket <laughs> i think people love that i don't want to shit on it because i think it has a lot of like uh a lot of fawning support and you know that doesn't always mean something's good but i know nothing about it so i feel a little more reticent neil what have you been up to i feel like we got we got to skew away from this before we get uh stuck in the muck i got video games to talk about let's talk video games let's talk video games so uh it might have been our last last week's conversation we brought up boulders gate in the update but I started playing some of that. I also went back for... I, I didn't even get five... I actually don't even think I left the area with the pod, but I made a druid, and I'm looking forward to playing with it. And I've noticed that it's either been a long enough point in time since I've seen the intro scenes, and I was making sure that like my computer was also doing well, like the temperature of the apartment is hotter than at the old place. So I'm making sure that like it's still able to cool off effectively. So I ran, you know, like Specky and my Asus like GPU monitor 
what is it, GPU tweak two, and I just want to make sure that my temperatures were all good. And uh, it seems like I I can't remember now, but it sure seems like they actually added more to the cinematic. Yeah, they changed things yeah. up. There are a lot of things that like I think they made minor improvements over. So, for instance, the 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 first few things that really caught my eye were that number one, the uh, the scene post crash or mid crash is now at night. It's a little more scenic. I think it looks a little better being presented at nighttime as opposed to daytime. Ooh, when uh, okay. when you had the goblins, you know, watch uh, watch the ship go down, and like the drow is like just for some reason smiling strangely all the time, like hmm 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 hmm, yeah. flaming yeah. ship <laughs> hmm, smiles. Uh, her appearance also changed drastically. She had like short hair before, and it, it looked like neat and prim and proper or something. And now it looks a little more rough, which I think might make sense since you're living in a goblin encampment. Uh, yeah, there's a lot sense. of small things like that that have definitely changed. One thing in particular that I really appreciate because I'm uh, in the world of in the world of fantasy games, I tend to be a racist. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I'm gonna say that right <laughs> off the bat, within reason. Okay. I'll, I'm, I'm yeah, going to justify the statement real quick. Reason, of course. Okay. Once again, uh, Neil, if you'd like to qualify. Yeah, I, I'd like to qualify. Uh, in Mass listeners. Effect, in Mass Effect, <laughs> you better fucking believe the Batarians are going down. Do, do you support the Batarians? Fuck the Batarians. They look no. They look like shit. I like uh, I like Solarians. I like the Turians. I I, I kind of I'm not like a huge fan of the uh, whatever whatever the blue race is. I don't remember what they are. Sorry. The Asari, yeah, they're fine. Yeah. I'm okay. they're they're fine. They're whatever. I think the Krogan are awesome too. I I love most of the great, races, yeah. but I will admit I I am suck. racist towards Batarians. Fuck the Batarians. <laughs> Those poor Batarians. They're the Eastern Europeans of like Mass Effect. And <laughs> Well, I I mean I I think within the context of Mass Effect it makes sense sense because like if you choose uh multiple backgrounds for shepherd are those in which the batarians you know kind of kill your family <laughs> yeah murder or enslave your family well what are you talking about uh he's like says the salarians they're like the worst no i mean so okay the salarians do a lot of bad shit yeah but like the game intentionally introduces you to a lot of cool salarians like morden and uh and the whole the line guy and kirahi or whatever yeah yeah he's yeah, fucking Captain awesome kirahi. Uh, so it, it, it's like the game obviously is promoting you to like appreciate the Solarians because you meet, meet so many good ones. The problem is that you don't really have a, like a, a character to root for, for the Batarians. They're meant to, they're, they're yeah, obviously they made for like people to be like, yeah, the Batarians kind of suck. Yeah. So going to, uh, going to Dra or not Dragon Age, but, um, Dragon's Dogma. Not Dragon's Dogma. No, uh, Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate, yeah. Baldur's Gate. Holy yeah. cow. Uh, the the race I've kind of chosen to kind of been like, be like, eh, I don't know about these people. They do some weird things is the Gith Yankee. Or Geth Yankee or whatever. Geth Yankee? There, uh, so I think it is Gith Yankee. Uh, once again, I being someone who's played a ton of D&D, &D, there's no way I haven't butchered most of my pronunciations of stuff from like books and source materials so i i do not give a shit um but i think i'm pretty sure that's right i'm almost certain that's what the dialogue sounds like when you're talking to characters who know what the gith are um but anyway they are supposed to be i think like 
it, once again, this is where I think uh, Wizards of the Coast actually takes a lot of criticism is they have that sort of like bio-essentialism racism sort of uh, that they're trying to skew away from. But since the last, like through the last four editions and into at least the first half, if not three quarters of fifth edition, they've had that where they're just like, yeah, Drow are evil, Githyanki also evil, but just in a different way. You know, goblins, hobgoblins, obviously evil. Like, the color of the dragon also determines whether it's evil or not. They're a monster. It's So that's a little harder, but it's just like, well, if they're, if they're sentient and intelligent, is that racist? Who's to say? I mean, so, so like, may, maybe, maybe it's because I'm comfortable with my, my identity within the human world, like the real world, but, like... As a, as a, what, what is it? As, as a mild racist? <laughs> well, no, 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 just, just as like, well, I mean, we, we can argue about things like, are we, are we, uh, unconsciously racist in some cases? Cause I think that's something that you could potentially prove about many people, you know, or subconsciously racist, whatever. Uh, yeah. I, I think that there is a ton of credence to that argument. But, absolutely. But, like as someone that, as someone that doesn't necessarily like, I, I, do not consider myself consciously racist in the real world and mm. i don't necessarily think i'm placing any sort of like unconscious or subconscious desires upon this video game right because i i understand mm. like the argument that could be made for for these instances but like i don't i don't feel the same way about the drow it's just that like i don't remember ever having any pleasant or like positive experiences with the geth yankee in Baldur's Gate 2, which is the Baldur's Gate I've played the most of. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think they're basically just an enemy type in that game. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's been a while. But so, uh, you know, old enough that they're just that they were monsters and not even considered like a race, right? Yeah, that, like, that's what I'm game, thinking. The game has actually elevated certain, um, yeah, it gets it gets so weird, but like they D and D has even elevated the position of like goblins and hobgoblins to being available as potentially a player character. Right, or something. right. They did not do that for previous editions. You know, it was just like, no, this is a monster. It's a bad guy. Like it's very cut and dry. They're, uh, you know, like they're primitive and and stupid and but but also like cunning. Uh, and you hate them. You hate them. Just so you know, like Wizards of the Coast is telling you, you hate them. You should probably kill them, or at least negotiate with them to your benefit, or whatever you want. Yeah, like uh, I mean, I I, I try much further away from it. I try to put myself within the mentality of the people in this game, and it's like, do I? Am I supposed to feel bad about slaughtering these goblins that just killed two characters, like two unimportant characters off, but people that I potentially could have felt? Uh, for or you know sympathized with in some way yeah i'm gonna yeah. fucking slaughter these these red caps or whatever batarian they're the batarians i mean the batarians yeah. are even like i i feel like the batarians are given an even more sympath sympathetic uh notes or details to compared to like goblins uh and I, and for the geth as someone that doesn't play D D like within the traditional sense of tabletop uh but mm. have only played some of the video games i think the geth yankee like have less going on for them than the batarians so yeah any, it's true anyways th maybe lazel lazel will obviously develop to be sympathetic in some way right otherwise right. she wouldn't be on your team right exactly if but you've never been given a character in any of these types of games in which it's just like this person is a bastard to the core 
So, but they're on my team. Like, but I want to spend time with them or be around them. Even your like evil murder droid and the old Bioware, like Knights of the Old Republic. Like, there is something redeeming about these characters, and that's what makes them companions. They'll kill for you. They won't yeah, kill you. I mean, HK47 is hands down one of the best characters I think that's come out of Bioware, right? Yeah, those meatbags did a great job uh, putting him together, like, <laughs> conceptually. Well, in, anyways, this huge tangent was just a way to justify that I really like the character, uh, um, oh, fuck, what's her name? Uh, Shadowheart, obviously fake name. Yeah, so, she's great. So with the update, they actually made it possible to, some slight spoilers for the intro of, uh, of Baldur's Gate 3, in case it's not becoming apparent as is. In the original early access version of, or it's still early access, but in the original release for Baldur's Gate 3 in early access, uh, you, you can, and spoilers are beginning now, you can encounter uh, Shadowheart on the ship, uh, on the Mind Flayer ship as you're trying to escape, and you can't do anything about it. You're just like, hey, sorry, I tried to like bash the thing open, but I, I can't, I'm not strong enough, I don't have the magic for it, sorry. And you leave her, and eventually you run into her again down the road. Uh, but in the update, I don't know if you noticed this too, but in the update, you can actually rescue her. I uh, I literally didn't leave the first room. Like, oh. I looted it for stuff, and then I saved the game. And I was oh, like, cool, I'm... okay, I'll come back to it later. Oh, sorry, Scott. No, 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 it's okay. It was, it was a good lock. I expected that lock to sort of stay put no matter what. Because, yeah, you get multiple ways to sort of try and interfere with it and open it, and every time your character's just like, real big shrug, like... Hey man, sorry about that. It, but but like it, it's kind of cool because you actually uh, mind if I say a little more? Please go ahead. I, I don't think it really affects anything in the in the grand scheme of things. Like if you leave her there or not, probably doesn't do much. But if you rescue her there and she she fights with you in that next room, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but um, after you crash, uh, she's actually with you, so you just pick her up as a companion right away, which can be kind of beneficial. I mean, you could still just walk down the beach and run into where she would normally be, but her dialogue slightly changes, too, as a result, so she's not as distrusting Probably, of you right away. Yeah, I was going to say, she trusts you a little more. Yeah, and, and then, like, so so her racism towards the Gith Yankee feels a little more passable. Like, it, it's not as hard to, like, to, you know, sympathize with her character because, like, she shows a better side to you right off the bat, as opposed to being like, you're like, what are you doing hanging out with a lizard or whatever the hell she says? I mean, you still do that because you pick up Lizel before. It is. Oh, sorry. You cut out there for a sec. Oh, she calls, she calls, uh, she calls her a flat nose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, I, I, I think it, I think it does a little bit to like kind of soften the blow. Because I think a lot of new time players will first run into Lizel or Lazel, whatever her name is, and like if you don't necessarily have a history with the series or with uh, the with D and D as a whole, like you don't necessarily feel one way or another about this character that you just picked up, yeah. and then you find another character that immediately has like hostility towards said character. It's like it's kind of off putting, but there is a history of there's a history like of lore built behind this race, I guess you could say. And when I say race, I mean species more, I guess, technically. Or I don't know what the genotype is of the Geth Yankee. It, it's magic. Man, that's the problem. It's a it's a fantasy setting with like really complex and completely uh I think 
it's not concrete what they're doing is not concrete and so yeah at a certain point you just have to throw your like do some hand waving for whatever point you're trying to make but the background that i understand on the gith is like space elves that's what you know (laughs) they're like space elves considering there are half everything's in D, are there really uh distinct species yeah no that's a great point too it's like there is there is this argument that if you're actually if we if you actually want to get in the genetics of it technically if you can have uh like if any of these races in the game can uh like procreate to create like a half elf or you know like um uh, actually it's just like half elves are like the only half thing that you have and half orcs i guess but um there are some that are described and others that aren't. And I think there's a lot of tools that are made available through like homebrew and whatnot to do uh, more like sort of half traits for uh, more interesting, like characters with more interesting backgrounds or more diverse parentages. But technically, if you can procreate, have a kid, and that kid is fully functional and able to procreate, like you're technically within the same species. Because mm. as you know, in the real world, like if you have a horse and a donkey or like a mule mate, you get a sterile. Like you, you essentially get an animal that cannot procreate. This, this is where my knowledge is going to like, show. Like a liger, like a liger can can be made, uh, but a liger can't reproduce. Oh, so uh, to make sure credits do work or credit goes to where it's due. That was uh, Bob's question regarding the distinct species mm-hmm. aspect of it. Is there, again, as someone that's essentially played Baldur's Gate, uh, Icewind Dale, and like some of the CRPG versions of D&D, but never the tabletop, um, mm-hmm. like may- maybe this isn't answered. Maybe this is left to the players. And maybe this isn't necessarily, I mean, what well, this is a mature channel. Like you, you have to confirm your, a mature adult before you can go in here but is it ever stated that half elves half elves can procreate correct yeah absolutely what about other like uh, can other races actually uh reproduce i i don't hmm. i mean yeah yeah there are can the geth and human for instance there are who knows i think maybe you could have a half gif who's to say i haven't seen content on that but there's also nothing explicitly stating that you can't and if anything even baldur's gate like if we stick just to the lore that is uh described in baldur's gate um even the romance options are completely open right like the that figure that you dream of uh ultimately can be any any character race that they've already developed. So like you can be uh you know you can be a a big old half orc which I, they should have half orc in the game I'm pretty sure because that's like that's a classic player's handbook character Wait, race but, that's but you just can't not in there yet, yet. Right? Oh okay okay you yeah, can't sorry. yet. I'm saying it'll probably be there. If I'm going to make a barbarian build, I'm going to have a half orc. You mean not a halfling barbarian? Or a halfling. Halfling barbarian's great too. But yeah, no that's the thing. Uh you know it is going to be assumed, right? Your half orc can be like, "Yeah, this tiny little halfling. That's pretty. They're pretty hot, huh?" <laughs> oh, so Gizlik says, uh, "I've read the D and D rule books before. There's some basic established lore, but all in all, it says go nuts." I'm, yeah, no, that's the that's the impression that I've had too. And I'm guessing that too. Like, there's a possibility that some some of the CRPGs don't necessarily follow the lore books 
to a very specific T, or there could be things that have changed since Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 and Icewind Dale to D&D 5th edition now, too. Like, I'm sure there's some oh, bits of retconning going on. They, like, build histories off of all of that and whatnot to make, like, these retcons and changes. But, uh, yeah, they it, Baldur's Gate 3 has been incredibly, like, true to what the source books look like and sort of describe for the most part for the gameplay mechanics and the lore and whatnot for fifth edition. So like Baldur's Gate three is being as true to the source material, I think as Larian can possibly swing. Uh, there are mechanical things that Larian has changed probably for the benefit of playing a computer game versus a tabletop game. But besides those tweaks, I mean, there really isn't anything that I've seen that is like, Oh, this doesn't like completely like click or connect with something else i know also um i guess while we're on it talking about larry and tweaks i did get to do a dice roll and that's really different from the last time i played wait what yeah what do you mean are you talking about like through your persuasion checks and such or your your ability checks any yeah any ability check now in dialogue has a completely different sort of dice roll animation that i had seen before it shows you what's detracting or adding to your roll <sighs> And when you click the dice, it sort of like tumbles around on a virtual tray. And then it does this like almost hearthstone thing where it clashes the number that you roll against the, the check to see if it passes it. And since I haven't passed a check yet, I don't know what it looks like when you succeed. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it goes green, I guess you could say. It's, it, 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 does, it did seem different within the regard of like, I, I, thought it looked fancier if that makes sense the presentation the one thing i noticed is that uh now you can get your benefits on your checks optionally in menu yeah so if someone has guidance in your in your party you can just use that which i think is a huge huge uh quality of life change because it if oh, it really yeah, took me out of the immersion to always be like oh i need to go have shadow heart cast guidance on the yeah, main I character now before i do literally everything yeah and yeah it's just like i have two turns of guidance left can i get to this prompt thing before the guidance runs out oh shit it's gone i better back out and not interact with it's, this statue i'm gonna talk to the squirrel i'm not sure if i'm gonna need guidance for it may as well cast it like it just felt and then so you're, you're one under and you're just like ah, i needed it <laughs> <laughs> it, it just felt i don't know it really it, not that necessarily you ever forget you're playing a game but that's that's a point where you're reminded of like the meta aspect all too much and being able to just use it mid-choice or like mid-check rather i think is such a big benefit well but i will say that this that the game feels way less stable now and well it, it could be my specific system it could be the fact i'm using like a 2070 or whatever 2070 i don't remember it could be like the processor I'm using, any combination of things that just happens to be going in. It's early access after all, but I noticed it's substantially less uh, stable. It's crashed a few times for me. I've gotten locked out of dialogue or locked out of doing it anything a few times as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the crashes were Vulcan related. Some were not. I'm not sure what caused him to crash. Some of the you, bugs do have you always been... use Vulcan? I used to, but now I started now switching to DirectX because it seemed okay. to just be more stable. But just, uh, like again, it's early access. This is not something that I feel like I feel justified in complaining because that's what you're kind of signing up for by playing early access, right? 
but uh, I did I did want to kind of point that out that it seems like overall it's a little less stable and some of the bugs can be kind of uh, game breaking or I mean outside of needing to reload. Uh, my favorite one so far being that when you get into the room with the mind flayers attacking the uh, um oh what the heck is that race called essentially the demon kind um tiefling yeah tiefling thank you fighting the the tiefling lords you you have to uh so you normally have to just run by while the uh the the mind flayers are fighting like kind of as like a distraction and you have to go and hit a button we'll say uh oh yeah those are those are also like those are actual demons or whatever right like a tiefling is actually oh yeah yeah that that is a demon you're right Um, but, uh, but so for that very first, uh, like the, for that very first actual battle, if you want to call it that, uh, for some reason, the battle was ongoing before I even hit the room. So the mind flayers were dead by the time I got there. (laughs) The, the cutscene still played out normally, but it meant that there was a guy with, you know, whatever, like however much something HP yeah, in there, just waiting for me to get close to him so he could (laughs) destroy my party entirely in one swing. Yeah. Uh, I did read that in the patch notes that that was something that was, uh, happening to people, but also neil an incentive if you get there in time because maybe that's the thing you were lollygagging and that's your punishment for not getting off the ship faster i might have been yeah joking aside though uh you can loot his big sword now you want to get a big flaming sword why don't you stick it out in that fight with the mind flare and cross your lucky like cross your fingers and wish to your lucky stars that uh That mind flare crits a couple times. So didn't didn't we end up beating sword. him when we played online together? Yeah, that was a while, and we did get like we got like two mind flare crits on him. That like one he was stunned, and the other he just took a ball damage. And it was just like, all right, let's let's throw every grenade that we have at this sucker, and it was still a nail biter because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were like all one one strike away from an imp to going down oh i i also forgot to point out that when i started baldur's gate 3 i forgot to rename my character from tav or tav so you tav <laughs> i restarted again but yeah. i was just like damn it they, they need to make that prompt a little more obvious uh, yeah it would be nice if it were like uh some other games where it's just like the field is empty and until you you can't move away from the screen until you give it a name well we it, i think it provides us an answer and that's that the default, the canonical character... Is named Tav, yeah. is, is named Tav. <laughs> and they're... Uh, Tav, though. They're an elf? What are they again? A half-elf, maybe? I don't know Ooh, yeah. what the default is screen it? is. But, yeah, the default... I mean, the default, I think, puts you at... It might just be top... It's, it might just be the top left option, and they may... I think those are based off of um, alphabetical order. So it's like an elf cleric. Elf cleric, there you go. That's canon. Which that that doesn't make sense because dwarves are then yeah, like D comes before E, but I don't think that the dwarf is before the elf on it. I'll I'll double check. I can I can go back in and look at some point in time. Maybe they just didn't want to show people dwarves because elves. I mean, like let's be real, guys. Again, they here's some the of that. Mentions right on the dwarf though. Like I think the dwarf could look a lot worse. But I, I'm just saying that, like, here's some of that fantasy racism kicking back in. We all know, we all know that elves are better than dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like in every setting, 
the dwarf character is there just obviously like they're always they're always a beast don't get me wrong they're always really useful but they're there just to be made fun of <laughs> you make fun of their height the elves are always like are snobby as hell a- you know, are you high no that. elves are immortal <laughs> half the time it depends on yeah. what form of media you're looking at but like immortal elves man immortal or not they're always snooty and we love that exactly uh, yeah i would i would tend to agree yeah i just i just really like a, a haughty character uh more often than not it's like this is a fantasy game you should you should be i i, I don't always follow this advice by the way but you should be like something you can't be and think would be fun to be like if you want to be a high and mighty holier than thou elf like do it because obviously you yeah. don't want to be that in real life because that would make hot you an asshole and immortal yeah hot and immortal and an asshole instead of thick and short which is totally possible for people <laughs> but I don't know. I, I've been I've been playing quite a bit of that game. the uh, The introduction of a bunch of new content and so forth has been has been nice. Um, I still have yet to get as far as I was the first time I was playing that game solo. I don't know how stable it is in multiplayer, but if you ever want to play in multiplayer, just let me know. I'm absolutely down to just continue to sort of like pick at the bone thing and uh, see what's changed and sort of like fiddle with the systems. It is. A delightful game as far as just like the moment-to-moment exploration and uh like interaction with the mechanics has just been a delight to me i i'll get my story obviously when i run through when the game's finished so i'm i'm not really worried about like spoilers or missing dialogue and stuff like that like it's fine i i i pushed the hag down at a bottomless pit i don't even know it's in her inventory when you beat her because uh, it's such a dire fight. That's the other thing, too. I really, really hope that some update uh, raises the level cap just a little bit. Five or six would be nice. Yeah, four is pretty, pretty rough. Five would do a lot, actually. Six would be insane if you have like a fighter character, because that's two ability score increases. You could potentially max out your stats before... Max out your main stat before... Uh, yeah, before you're done with that whole area, which would be pretty sick. Because then you can push anyone down a big pit if you have a strength plus five. I mean, I I def I tried to push the uh, the demon lord into yeah. a pit on that uh, on that ship. I don't know if you can fall into. I don't uh, think so. Yeah, because it worked. You get like a sixty percent chance with uh, uh, what's your face, the Gith Yankee. Lazel. Lazel, yeah. Yeah. Not bad odds, but what have you been playing, Scott? I've talked a lot about Baldur's Gate. Oh no, it's good. I actually I I real quick just want to give a small endorsement for a game that I didn't talk about at all last week, except for the fact that I was interested in it, and I just beat it before we came on to play this morning. Or at least I got what is gonna be considered the best ending for the game, and that is Overboard, uh, by Inkle. And it is this fun game where you essentially start uh, by pushing your husband off of a boat to his death. And then you have eight hours before you reach port when you wake up in the morning to craft an alibi and avoid imprisonment. Ideally, if you can do it in a way that allows you to uh, also collect the life insurance money uh, on your husband for his murder and uh, avoid potentially any um, other complications 
with uh, being found out. It is a delightful game, very art deco in its style and uh, really like snappy, fun writing. The best part about it is that it's very simple. Like it's it's more or less like a visual novel where you're getting three options uh, of like response at most points in time in the game, but they can take you down incredibly different paths and others can sort of overlap and bring you to the same location. It's very interesting. I don't know necessarily the exact sort of flow chart from like one response to another. And I've played the game. I've had more than 20 something runs and I, and there's only like, uh, I'd say six main in like major interactable characters that are of importance in the game. And yet it's, it's just this great little uh, adventure in which you have to like use time management and, and dialogue to, uh, like essentially be successful with the the disappearance of your awful husband malcolm oh so i was gonna ask without spoilers do you feel sympathetic to your character uh it is revealed in multiple different ways that malcolm is a cad he's an awful awful man and so uh pushing him overboard and killing him is absolutely like it's not great. I think it's insinuated uh, that your character may have had another husband disappear at some point in time. So you have a bit of a background. But this guy certainly should be sleeping with the fishes. And it, not it, to spoil anything. It doesn't seem to it doesn't necessarily seem to take itself too seriously either, right? It's very silly. Yeah. There is there is one possible ending that I will uh, just hint to, and that is uh, that there is probably an opportunity for you to eliminate pretty much every witness on the boat uh, in one way or another. And uh, it may have the most bonkers uh, sort of like story ending I've experienced since near. I would say even probably past some of the weird near endings. So really a delight hmm, I'll, i may have to give this a shot there's also this wonderful dolphin motif in it too like dolphins are dolphins bring about misery and despair uh like there's like i think your character more or less has um what is it it's it's uh del delphine phobia delphinophobia which is fear of dolphins or at least like an extreme distaste and hatred for them which <laughs> it it's so cool because there are so many little like dolphins throughout the game that are sort of used expertly later when you really get a grasp for the mechanics. It's a delightful game though, Neil. A lot of fun. The music's good, but I, I'd say fairly sparing and it really moves at a, at a quick quip. You know, you can get a run done in under an hour of playtime. Shit, you could probably get a run done in under 30 minutes depending on how involved your interactions with the characters are but the characters are all interesting they all have their own sort of schedules and backstories and uh interests and uh it's all about like essentially getting to know them and their patterns and how to exploit them or um neutralize them that makes the game so much fun and the best part neil is this is a game for christians because you can go to the chapel and pray to a god <laughs> Not necessarily uh, the one that you think it would be um, for salvation or advice or just to sort of get a load off your chest. And that is a very funny mechanic that the developer put in as well.
what uh what else have you been playing scott that's predominantly it besides the like dipping my toe just back in the water of creating a character in baldur's gate and making sure that it runs fine in it in the computer's new environment um i'll probably get into more of that but also it's back to virtue's last reward um now that i have my computer on site again and uh i gotta get through it there's still dozens of hours to go so i need to i need to make some some effort oh speaking and speaking of those dozens of hours if it makes you feel any better i'm restarting sekimeya and uh that's that's uh a super text heavy game we so i i don't know how long this game's gonna take um i was playing it with tiff and uh, Sekimei is a mystery game in very much every sense of the word. You have no idea what's going on. You're trying to figure out what's going on. There's all sorts of weird functionality within the world setting, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were 12 hours into the game, and we were still in chapter one. I don't know how many chapters there are. Maybe there's five. Maybe there's ten. Who knows? Maybe it's a Yakuza there's game. Enough. There's 23. Uh, but maybe there's only one, too. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe, like, uh, the... Maybe the uh, RenP or whatever, the program they're using that has chapters built into it and they only are utilizing one. Not entirely sure. In any case, though, um, when I, I was starting it back up, Tiffany said something along the lines of, I, I kind of got something spoiled to me and that being that, like, apparently there's no, like, choice mechanics built throughout the entire course of the game. But at the end, basically, the game asks you to solve the puzzle, like, to solve mm-hmm. what happens, essentially. And less than, I think at the time she was check, checking or reading, it seemed like less than half of the, uh, or the, the, the report she was reading, what, whenever it was written, around or less than half of the people playing it were able to actually correctly figure out the mystery, the solution. So hearing that, I was like, oh, this seems interesting. And if there is actually some way to input things as opposed to just being on a roller coaster, you know, because those visual novels do exist. Um, I'm going to undertake that and play that on my own, but I probably won't do that on stream because I think that's going to be like, what, dozens of hours of just me reading, which I'm not necessarily opposed to, but I think I'll get through it faster if I just, you know, read in my head. Mm-hmm. But we both have some uh, lengthy but, yeah. things ahead of us, it sounds like. Yep. And, uh, Boy, I I just hope that there's not any key information I've forgotten over the like two and a half or three weeks of not playing it that's going to come into play later that I'm going to just be blindsided by. I, I would maybe recommend having like, uh, you're playing it on computer, right? So, and you've I got am, two yeah. screens. Yes. What I found really useful for, uh, for VLR, just like from a, we'll say from like a story standpoint, because I think we played that over the course of like three, two or three different days, but there were a few days between. I had a notepad open that I just jotted down my thoughts and theories on, uh, like of like, oh, okay. if uh, this character likes to wear blue, so I think uh, maybe blue's their favorite color. That might be important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just making okay. nonsense up, but I, I would put a notepad open and jot things down. That that helped okay. me a lot with, uh, or helped me from like a understanding point of view. If you want to, I don't know how to put it. It I helped me saying. understand what was going on a little better. Okay. Oh, cool. I I forgot to ask. Did you have you looked at Pokemon Unite at all? 
No, not at all. But uh, some of the some of the boys that we know have been going crazy about it. So maybe I'll take a peek. I, I, I is it free? I'm assuming it's free. It sounds like it's free because like the the pay to win mechanics are ridiculously bad. Like you can spend you you can essentially pay for uh um the if we were comparing it to league it'd be like you you pay for like ten percent additional bonus damage. Oh jeez. It's not. It's pretty good. It's well. I mean, I would say it's not good because <laughs> I like you can you can. I'm assuming like get all of the stuff stuff free to play just by playing a bunch of it. But like, um, I was watching some YouTuber uh talk about it and uh proceed to put a bunch of money into the games, upgrade their ex- accessories or whatever, and it just seemed really unbalanced. It seemed like they were just well, you can't say face into a keyboard when you're playing on a switch controller but like yeah even shizio says uh, even better for crushing children's souls fantastic i was watching a former league of legends pro play play it and he i, I don't think he's putting any money into it it's all free to play for him mm-hmm. and uh he's getting swa- just absolutely smashed by rich children well, that'd be great so so he was doing pretty well like uh he, uh, but when he when he's playing with his chat, things go really bad really fast. Uh, uh-huh. He's like says, "Can you buy Magikarp?" You cannot, as far as I can I can tell. That that's the one thing that really jumps out at me is that like maybe it's because I'm an I'm an old timer when it comes to Pokemon. But like I look at the roster and I'm just like, who the hell are half of these Pokemon? Like <laughs> why why are not some of the standbys in there? Like where the where the heck is Squirtle? I feel like Squirtle 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 or Blastoise, whatever you want to say, needs to be a part of this game, and and it's not. Like oh, yeah, man. sure, there's and Pikachu. They have, they have costumes too. Wow, it, it's I, so this is it's this a is cash a grab, dude. It's it's a fucking moba. I. It's weird. It's weird, man. What what I'm really worried about, though, or I'm not that worried about. What am I saying? But what I'm really worried about, I guess, I'm still going to stick with that uh, narrative. Is that uh, this game is super popular, and it already has more animations than Pokemon Sword and Shield. <laughs> We're just going to see the mainline series like shit on even more. That's fine. <sighs> We got to enjoy the golden years, Neil. It's got to change. It's got to spread its wings. But, but they could, like, they, what they need to do is just make a fucking single-player Pokemon game that is essentially like Breath of the Wild in terms of scope and animation and quality and just give it a fucking story, and then bam. Just give me, like, Pokemon the anime, but in game form, and don't, you don't play Ash, okay? That, that's the big kicker. No one wants about- to play Ash. How about, uh, is it like Legend of Arceus or whatever? Isn't that Pokemon Legends Arceus? Remember seeing that? And you're like stalking through the gl- grass and just throwing Pokeballs? Maybe that's what you want, Neil. Was that, was that, that what from, you want? Was that from uh, the 64? No, no, no. I mean, this is a title that'll be coming out later. Oh, right, 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 right. It's the one yeah. that like takes place in like mid... It's like- yeah, like medieval uh, Pokemon Japan or or Maybe, wherever. You know? Like it, that it could be what you want. It interests me, but like I have no faith that it's going to be good because <laughs> Pokemon Unite's taking over. Th- this is what happened with Fortnite, by the way, and Apex Legends. Fortnite was originally a a horde mode game, right? Like a a def- uh, build your base and defend against whatever, right? And then suddenly, yeah. bam. 
this uh, battle royale thing is doing great. What what was what was Fortnite's original scope? I'm not necessarily saying that it would have been better, but like if I were a fan of the original, you know, scope, like obviously I'm betrayed at this point, right? You look at Apex Legends, like they they were in the middle, at least if reports are to be believed, of working on Titanfall three, and those resources got taken away and fully devoted into Apex Legends because Apex Legends was so popular. Yeah. It makes more money, Neil. Gizlik says, uh, I thought I saw a Squirtle. Maybe, maybe there is. But it, it still feels like they're missing a lot of the, like, the Pokemon cast in there is my issue. No, dude, you don't understand how much that would cost for a small indie company, Shizio says. Shizio, the spokesperson of Game Freak and Nintendo. Ugh. <sighs> Well, Neil, I gotta let you go because I gotta float. Yeah, I you gotta, gotta float. float. I I gotta replace some guitar pickups and then not cut my hair because I'm losing the motivation to do that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, this has been a great conversation. We will we will return to give you more opportunities to talk about how much you love Pokemon Unite after trying it. I, I'm not gonna try it. I'm not gonna try it. We'll see. We'll see about that. Even Tiff, like Tiffany, could fall in love with it. I don't think she wants to try it either. Actually, when we were watching a bit, she was just like, "Man, I kind of want to play League now." And I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" Yeah, like, get get Tiffany back into League. Let's no. play some League. If if we did, it'd mostly be Arams. That's uh, fine. But but yeah, even if she did, we only have one Switch. We can't both play Pokemon Unite at the same time. Got to get an OLED switch or, you know, the Steam Deck. Those prices aren't enticing, man. They're pretty good. Oh. I mean, they're, they're, they're not bad. I, that top price point, I don't know about it. But that mid-tier seems solid to me. But we got, I got to float. I got to float. All right. All right. We'll That's it for the podcast. About it next time. That's it for the podcast, guys. Thanks for watching. Have a great one, everyone. Podcast is officially over. I'm the go play overboard. The middle seam deck looks great. I think that that has the best performance out of the bunch. Yeah. All right. See, I'll you. see you later. See you, Scott. Peace out.